Welcome to the National Community Church Podcast. We're thrilled to be able to share this weekend's message with you. You can find us on national.cc or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. All right, all right, all right. Good morning. Good morning, church. How's everybody doing today? We doing all right? All right, awesome. Could you do me a favor? Could we stand? Could we stand for one second as I read God's word? Today our text, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, and it says this. While Moses was shepherding the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian, he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame, a fire within a bush. And as Moses looked, he saw the bush was on fire but was not consumed. So Moses thought, I must go over and look at this remarkable sight. Why isn't this bush burning up? Verse 4, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called out to him from the bush saying, Moses, Moses. Moses replied, here I am. Verse 5, do not come any closer, he said. Remove the sandals from your feet for the place where you are standing is holy ground. For the place where you are standing is holy ground. For the place where you are standing is holy ground. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. Can we pray real fast and then we'll get into it. Dear Heavenly Father, this morning in the name of Jesus, we ask that your spirit would just saturate this place, God. Would you send the kind of anointing that makes preaching uh, powerful but simplistic at the same time, God. Change us, rearrange us, Oh, great God that you are. We are your people. We stand in your house. We wait on your word. Have your way in this place today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Have a seat. Have a seat. Have a seat. Um, I'll get in trouble if, if, I, if I forget to do this. So first and foremost, shout out to NCC Youth. All right. Shout out to y'all. Those are my people. So... Tonight, I want to hear, you didn't even say nothing about it. I did, okay? <laughs> all right. <laughs> Listen, family, I don't know about you all, but I've really been loving this series. We're in the Holy Series. Um, I've just been enjoying, I've been like captivated by it, really. It has been such a great reminder of the holiness of God. And I love how in week one, Pastor Mark, he sets the stage and he takes us to Isaiah chapter 6. And we see how Isaiah saw the Lord high and exalted, and the seraphim were crying out, holy, holy, holy. And then who could forget week two of the series? We had Pastor Joel, Pastor Marion, talking about how God's holiness is our freedom. Amen? Amen. How God's holiness is our freedom. And if you weren't here, you missed out because there were olives getting smushed on people's foreheads and jackets getting thrown across the stage. I mean, they spared no expense last week. But if you have not watched that message, I would encourage you to go back and check it out. It was good, y'all. And some of y'all know me. I, we're family here. If, if you know me a little bit, then you know that as I've been preparing, you know I had to put together a, a playlist. Chat, I'm going to drop the link to my playlist in the chat, all right? I got y'all, all right? As I've been reflecting on this word holy, we're talking about holy, holy, holy. So I've been, I call it my holy playlist. And it's just all songs that mention or talk about the holiness of our God. And, man, it's been taking me back, like back, back, old church. 
Anybody raised in old church? Hey, I want y'all to do me a favor today. Now, I'm taking a risk here. Look at me, y'all. I'm trusting you with this. But today, I want to see if you guys recognize any of these old classics. And, and, and can we become a big old church choir this Sunday? Can we do it? Yeah. Yeah. I looked at some one person, and he just did not. He's like, I'm not with you, bro. <laughs> I'm not. It's okay. But can, can the rest of can we can we do it? Uh, all together now. This, this is what we're going to do. So um, I'm going to start. I'm going to be like the old school choir director, okay? Now, I'm, don't expect me to sing the whole thing. I'm going to start it up, and then we're just going to flow in it, okay? All right. <clears throat> me, 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 let me find my note. All right. This, this first one, um, this, is a, this is an oldie but goodie. <clears throat> let me find me. Holy, holy, holy. Lord God all. There we go. Keep singing. Yeah. Early in the morning, our song shall rise to thee. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. Merciful and mighty. Blessed Trinity. Three. I couldn't put up three fingers. I was like, huh. Didn't want to put up any wrong signs or anything. That was good. Y'all sound amazing. Okay, y'all know that one. Okay, let's try another one. Let's get a little bit more. Let's do another one. Oh, by the way, that, that, that song, that hymn was written in 1826. People have been singing that for a long time. But as Pastor Mark talked about week one, People have been singing, well, not people, but seraphim have been singing holy, holy, holy a, long, a much longer time than 1826. Um, but let me, not, let me not go down that path because I'll get caught up. Second song. I went back into another classic um, from Brother Michael W. Smith. Oh, somebody almost caught the Holy Ghost. Uh, oh. I said, yes, Michael W. All right, let me find my note. <clears throat> Let me find my note. Mm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For the Lord God Almighty reigns. That's good. Hallelujah. I'm going here. Holy. Holy. Come on, lift it up. Holy. Yeah. Are you Lord God Almighty? Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Amen. Amen. You got to hold it out. Hold it out. Hold it out. Oh. oh. Great job. Great job. Great job. Great job. Man. You. Listen, listen. I got one more, but listen, next choir Sunday, I need to see everybody. <laughs> I need to see everybody up there. All right, this last song, I don't know if, how many of us will know it here, but it's a song that my mom used to always play. Anybody familiar with Uncle Donnie, Uncle Donnie McClurklin? Um, Got to find my note again. <clears throat> he said, all the angels sing and they bow down. And they sing holy, somebody knows it, holy. 
And we, your sons and daughters, we praise you now. And we cry, holy, holy. All right, you know what? Fifteen of us just went to the throne on that one. We'll catch the rest of y'all up. <laughs> what song is that? I never heard. Uncle Donnie. That's okay. I'll send the playlist around to everybody. You need to add that one. But great job. Great job, everyone. I can't wait to see everyone up here next choir Sunday. Through this series, of, through, through the past couple of weeks, man, I've really just been sitting with that word holy, wrestling with it, kind of being overwhelmed. When you think about it, that word holy is such a, it's an overwhelming type of word. And I love how someone put it when defining holiness. Holiness finds its most precise definition in who God has revealed himself to be. I'll say it one more time. Don't let it go over you. Holiness finds its most precise definition in who God has already revealed himself to be. So to talk about holiness is to talk about God, our God, the Holy One. The root word of that word holy, it means to cut or to separate. And it speaks of God's separateness, his uniqueness. How he is one of a kind. How he's special. How there's nothing like him. It kind of reminds me of something that I could never quite grasp, y'all. Let, let me ask you this. Anybody who was raised in a house or had some family members like this, there, was a, there would be a room in the house, a very special room, a set-apart room called the living room. Anybody have a living room? The living room. And you know what always puzzled me about that living room? Nobody was allowed to live in there, <laughs> sit in there, talk in there, eat in there, drink in there. If my mom caught me chilling in the living room, I might not be living for too much longer. <laughs> in that room, all the nicest furniture, all the nicest decor, the table settings. I'll never forget this. Uh, my Aunt Eunice, God rest her soul. Oh, one of the nicest, sweetest ladies you would have ever met. I remember the first time I was taken aback because I went to her house, not too far from here in Capitol Heights, I think, where she lived. And I walked in and I looked in the living room and all the furniture is covered in plastic. <laughs> is my Aunt Donna in here? Where's Aunt Donna at? She's somewhere in here. That, okay. Well, Aunt Donna's here. Shout out to you. That was that Aunt Donna's mother. But the whole living room, the, the couch, the chairs, I think maybe even the lamp was too. <laughs> but it was covered in plastic. So if you, if you were sitting down on the couch and it got too hot in there, you might be stuck for a while. <laughs> well, let me put it like this. Did anybody, uh, maybe you have this in your house or you grew up in a house like this. Your house, in your house, you got two different kinds of plates. Yeah. 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 You got them regular plates. You just throw them in the microwave. You plop the spaghetti, the leftovers. You just, hey, beep, 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 throw it in the microwave. Boom. Paper plates, plastic plates. And then you got them other type of plates, those special plates. <laughs> them plates that are set to the side. Maybe they're in a, in a cabinet all by themselves, yeah. stacked perfectly. I'll tell you this, don't ever go in that cabinet and pour yourself a drink in one of them cups. <laughs> I'm not saying I did that, but just listen now. Metaphorically speaking, those plates are holy. They're set apart. When we say, God, you are holy, we are saying, God, there's nobody like you. 
When we speak of God's holiness, we're speaking of his transcendence, how he's above and beyond everything, how he exists differently than us. And we're speaking of his moral purity, how he is pure, without blemish or spot, completely righteous. I just love how the Bible shows us glimpses of how this holy God chose and chooses to encounter us where we are, even in the mundane and the regularity of life. And I love how the Bible allows us to see how people respond when encountered with, with a holy God. So, so, so today, and as I've been reading, I oftentimes like to try to place myself in the shoes of the person. Like, man, how do they do this? Like, man, if I was walking in their shoes, like, man, that, how, did they na- like, how did they respond? So today, we meet God in a burning bush in Exodus chapter 3. And one thing that jumps out at me is how God will oftentimes come at us in strange ways. Has God ever come at somebody or got your attention in a strange way before? Anybody testify to that? So for the rest of our time together, I would like for us to take a walk in Moses' shoes. Oh, my map is up. I got a map, y'all. You see that? Oh, yeah, it's nice, too. I'm proud of that. It worked out. Sorry. All right. So for the rest of our time, I would like to, we're going to take a walk in Moses' shoes. So here's some context. Before we come to Exodus chapter 3, we are introduced to Moses in Egypt. He was a Hebrew baby who was saved from the, the Pharaoh's plan um, to kill him when his mother takes him and she lays him in the reeds on the bank of the Nile. And in a miraculous way, we see that Moses ends up being raised in Egypt in Pharaoh's house for 40 years. Until one day he noticed that one of his Hebrew brothers was being abused by an Egyptian and he did what sometimes we often do. He, he, tried, he tried to take matters into his own hands. And Moses ended up making a mistake and he ends up killing an Egyptian. He hid the body. He thought he got away with it. And the very next day, I don't know what Moses was on. He was like on some vigilante type stuff. Because the very next day, he's still trying to solve everybody's problems. And he walks up on two Hebrews who are arguing with each other. He's like, hey, hey, listen, guys, cut it out. And they look at him and say, excuse me. I, did Moses say something? I know you're not talking, brother, not talking to me because we saw what you did yesterday. <laughs> what, what, you going to kill us too? And just like that, the word was out on Moses. And we see in the text that word gets back to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh says, you know, we're going to put a hit out on Moses. He pledges to kill him. So Moses went on the run. So as we read our text today, we're picking up 40 years later where we find Moses. At this point, he's 80 years old on the backside of the desert. As I was thinking through that, uh, a desert is a dry place. It is a place lacking resources. We find him in a wilderness. I wonder if any of us could relate to being in a dry place or a dry season. where life hasn't really gone the way we anticipated or thought it would, or maybe we made some decisions that kind of impacted what we thought was going to happen. It went the other way. In some way, somehow, we found ourselves in a dry season. The good news in the story is that even though it had been 40 years, even though Moses was in the desert, 
God had not forgotten about Moses. God has not forgotten about you. There is still hope. There is still hope for a fresh encounter with a holy, living God. And as we're going to read today, I want you to grasp onto this, that in the presence of God, things can change dramatically. In the presence of a holy God, things can change in a moment, in an instant, overnight. In the presence of God, things can change. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert. He wasn't just in the desert. He was in the back of the desert. Sheesh. And he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Hmm. The mountain of God. I like to imagine that Moses left his tent or his home that day, just like any other, other day. He probably kissed his wife goodbye, said hello to the neighbors, stopped at Starbucks, got himself a nice cold brew. And then, you know, he took his sheep and he started his walk. He probably, um, he probably packed the same lunch. He probably walked the same path. It was an ordinary day. That day was an ordinary day except for that God planned to meet Moses that day. What separated that day from all the other days is the same thing that separates our ordinary days from extraordinary days. The difference was that that day Moses decided to pay attention Moses decided to pay attention. He decided to turn aside rather than turn away his attention. Verse 2 says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire in the midst of a bush. And I would like to present to you guys today that as Moses was spending those 40 years in, in the desert in that dry place, that it, it probably wasn't that shocking for him to see a bush on fire. In those dry conditions with the sun beating down, it probably wasn't something that was just that shocking to see something catch fire, a brush fire break out. But if we keep reading, it says, so he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Moses had probably seen that bush a thousand times, but what caught his attention was that he saw a bush that was burning, but it was not burnt up. There was fire all over that bush, but the leaves were still green. In Exodus 3, Moses saw a self-sustaining fire, a fire that needed no logs to burn, no bush to consume in order to keep itself aglow, a fire that could burn on its own. A holy fire. Moses' ordinary day was about to be invaded by God's extraordinary plan. And God reveals his extraordinary self in the ordinary places of life. God reveals his extraordinary plan, his extraordinary self in the ordinary places of our lives. Verse 3 goes on to say, then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. Moses is better than me, y'all, because if I'm out there, y'all, let me, let me, if I'm out there and I see that bush burning, I don't know if some of y'all like me, but if I see anything out of the ordinary, some commotions, oh, oh I'm out of here. <laughs> Wait, which way? I would have been like, all right, sheep, time to go. That bush, 
It's burning. He's like, Chief, let's go. Let's get up out of here. But it says that Moses turned aside. It was like, it was almost like Moses was like, wait, what? What is, what, what is happening? There's something, someone, you, something so different. What is, what is happening? Let me, let me stop what I'm doing, turn aside, and, and give this my attention. Hmm. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush does not burn? So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. I'll read it again. So when the Lord saw that Moses turned aside to look, when Moses decided to stop what he was doing and give some attention to this, this thing that was happening in his life, then God spoke to him from that bush saying, Moses, Moses, if my parents back in the day called my name twice, I knew I, I better. <laughs> Colin, Colin. All right, now, I'm not going to play with that. That repetition means something. I like how Moses, I like how God calls Moses' name twice. Can I speak plainly today, guys? Church, family. God is after our attention. God is after our attention. As I was preparing this week, I was thinking to myself, why is it the hardest thing sometimes for God to get my attention? As we talk about this holy, transcendent, all power, why is it so, I thought to us, I said, Colin, why is it so hard for God to grab hold of you sometimes? The distractions come first, the busyness of life comes first. Sometimes I just find it like I've put so many things in front of God, when he's after my attention, he wants to be known. He invites himself into our space. You mean to tell me that a holy God wants my attention? Sometimes God will send a burning bush in your life to grab your attention. I've seen it before in my own life. Sometimes God will send a burning bush in your life to grab your attention. This burning bush will be a private display of God trying to get hold of your attention. Maybe it's something in your marriage or a burning bush with your family, your children, at your workplace. Maybe it's something that uh, in a hospital room, some situation where if you don't turn aside and you choose to look at it and see it for what it is, you're going to miss out on the fact that God is trying to get your attention. When you're in that desert place, when you're in that dry land, we spend so, so much time thinking about all our circumstances, but, but what is God trying to show us? What is God trying to say to us? How is God trying to speak to us? How is he trying to grab my attention while I'm in this place? And we see that Moses turned aside. Everybody say, turned aside. Turn we should all just start talking like that. I, I shall turn aside. <laughs> what moments have we missed because we wouldn't turn aside? What moments have we missed because we wouldn't turn aside? God called him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Here I am is the proper response 
when God is calling you. I'll say it again. Here I am. Or I don't know. Here I am. Here I am is the proper response when God is calling you. When God is calling you in that strange way, when that bush is burning in your life, and you, you, you look at that, you're like, God, I see you're doing something. I don't know what, what you're saying right now, but you know what? Here I am. When Moses says, here I am in that moment, it's funny. I love how you can see how things connect in God's word. Oh, my goodness. Look, when Moses says, here I am in that passage, he joins the likes of Abraham, Jacob, Samuel, Ananias, and in week one, Isaiah, all with that statement of saying, here I am. That response speaks to a few things. I mean, it could speak to his location, like, God, I'm right here. All right, now, calm down, relax. Chill. (laughs) But what I think it speaks more to is availability. God, here I am. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know how you're speaking. I don't know. I I don't understand this situation, but you know what? Here I am. I'm available to what you're saying. I'm available to you. Verse 5 says, then he said, do not draw near to this place. Take the sandals off your feet for the place where you are standing is holy ground. For the place where you are standing is holy ground. He tells him to take off his sandals for the place that he was standing is holy ground. Now, do y'all think that it was some special type of dirt right there in that patch of the desert? That was that good dirt, that good soil. Or maybe it was the bush. That was a special bush. That bush just made everything holy in that situation. Or maybe it was just the way the light was just bouncing off the rocks and the gravel or the lizards. I don't know what's out there. No, 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 no. The thing that made that ground holy was the presence of God. The only thing that made that ground that he was standing on holy was the presence of God. It wasn't holy until God started to take residence there. It wasn't holy until God decided to take up residence there. Hmm. So here comes Moses. Wait, hold on, let me pause right there. All right, listen. That's a message to somebody right now. Listen, it's not by our might or by our power, but by his spirit. There's nothing holy about you you and I but the presence of God. You you understand that, right? There's nothing good about me but the fact that I got Jesus. Amen? Let's keep going. So here comes Moses. He's looking at that bush, and he he turns aside. He's he's trying to keep it. I got to see this. What's... Okay, I'm going to get a little closer. Okay. And and look what God says. He said, hold up, Moses. (laughs) Hold up now. (laughs) You have to meet me on my terms. Do not draw near this place. Take off the sandals. If you take off your shoes, and God says, you have to meet me on my terms. You want to come closer and deeper into my presence? I want you to. Listen, listen. But as you approach me, you have to understand that I'm a holy God. Take off your shoes. Turn to your neighbor and say, take off your shoes. Don't do it. Don't do it now. Don't do it. I don't know what type of aroma to rise up in the house of the Lord. But we're not going to do that. So I know anytime I tell, anytime I say that NCC, you like turn to your neighbor and say something, it just, the whole night just unravels. They just take it and run. Middle school boys get a hold of that and they're just screaming and jumping. Love those guys. 
But he says, take off your, take your shoes off. Have you ever been to somebody's house and they have a no-shoe policy? I'm not going to say any names. Y'all know I love talking about my family. We got stories for days. But I got this one family member, and she got a, a, a no-shoe policy. And I always forget. And I, I, when I go over there, I pop up, and then, like, I'm just thinking we're having dinner, and I'm going to have some chicken and some rice some green beans. And the first thing, take off your shoes. You going to take your shoes off? And it's always like that awkward moment. It's like the response, like if you ask somebody, like, would you like me to take my shoes off? The, the response can be kind of confusing. So it's like if they say yes, take your shoes off. Are they saying, um, those, your shoes are dirty and my house is clean. Like, take those off. Or are they saying, yeah, take your shoes off. I want you to be as comfortable as you could possibly be while you're in my house. Hmm. <laughs> God is saying, if you want to experience me, you have to respect my holiness. Reverence and respect for a holy God. For it is written, be holy for I am holy. Can I encourage you all today to honor God in the way you live your life? Can I just, can I just encourage us as a church to honor God in the way we live our lives? Can I encourage you to get on your knees sometimes and bow before a holy God? Do something to defer to his holiness. Moses needed to meet God before he could be used by God. And in order for him to meet God that day, he had to be aware. He had to turn aside and give that thing his attention. And he had to take off some things that he had been walking around in. He had to be aware God, would you increase our awareness to what you're doing, to how you're speaking? God, we know that you're speaking to us. We know you're after our attention, God. Increase our awareness. He turned aside, and he took off some things that he had been walking around in. God need, excuse me, Moses needed to see that God could show up as a burning fire in a bush before he could learn to follow him as a burning cloud in the sky. Moses would come to know that God could suspend the laws of nature in a bush before God would suspend the laws of water and air at the Red Sea. I say God's calling on your life is bigger than what you can see. I say God's calling on your life is bigger than what you can see. How is he preparing you right now in the season that you're in? It's bigger than what you can see. Listen, in the following verses, God calls Moses to something. If you know the story, he says that he has seen what his people have been going through in slavery in Egypt. And he says, therefore, go. I am sending you to Pharaoh. He's talking to Moses. You know what? Go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh so that you may lead my people out of Egypt. And in verse 11, Moses is taken aback and he says, who am I that I should go and sit before Pharaoh? Like, listen, I'd have made mistakes. Um, uh, actually, God, I'm actually a fugitive back there. I don't know if it's quite safe. Um, I, sometimes I stutter. I, I'm an 80-year-old shepherd. I, I'm in the backside of a desert. Who am I for you to send me out to do this great thing? And the Lord responds and says, I will certainly be with you. I will be with you. 
And this will be the sign to you that I am the one who sent you. When you bring the people of Egypt, you will all worship God at this mountain, at the same place where I'm meeting you now. Hmm. I would say to you that after that moment, because God was with Moses, God just said, I'm going to be with you. Every step he took, if we pull up the map, every step he took on his way back to Egypt, he was stepping on holy ground. Moses left that encounter with God, with the presence of God, with a confidence. Why? Because God was with him. As he stood before Pharaoh, he was standing on holy ground because God was with him. As he stood on the bank of the Nile, he was standing on holy ground because God was with him. During the Exodus, as he led the people from Ramesses to Succoth, he was standing on holy ground because God was with him. As he lifted up his staff and stretched out his hand over the Red Sea, he was standing on holy ground because God was with him. Can I get some keys? I like when pastors do that. Can I get some keys? I'm about to close. As Pastor Mark said, I'm about to land this plane. Church, I'm so thankful today for the fact that a holy God loved me so much that he decided to send his holy son in the person of Jesus Christ to take my place, to wash me clean, to cleanse me of all my wrongs, bring me into right relationship with my heavenly father. And not only that, before the people of God, We now have something in us that makes us unique, different, special, set apart. All right now. For the people of God, we got something different in us. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says this. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? who is in you, whom you have received from God, you are not your own. Church family, do you not know that what you got inside of you, do you not know what you have inside of you? Do you not know that because the Holy Spirit is with you, the place where you are standing is holy ground. There's something different about the place that you're standing. There's something unique. There's something special. There's something set apart that people won't understand. But because you have the Holy Spirit with you, the place where you are standing is holy ground. In your car. In your house. In your dorm room, college students. In your school hallways, middle schoolers and high schoolers. At the office, on vacation, holy ground. Whether you find yourself in the palace or in the desert, if God is with you, you are standing on holy ground. And that that crown is not holy because of anything that you or I could do or anything that you or I could say or any message we heard or any song that we sung, but it's only holy because of the presence of God. Because God has taken up residence in you and I. Let me close with this. I'm sorry. Y'all know 
Y'all know I love shoes, right? I love shoes. I could ask my wife. I would sleep in my shoes if I could. I would be right there in the bed. <laughs> um, and I, and I, when I was growing up, my mom was the type of mom, like, I wanted expensive J's and all that type of stuff. She's like, no, nah, there's a deal. Two for $55? He's getting that. School's next week. Like, be thankful in the name of Jesus. So I always liked uh, the shoes, you know, the Jordans. And, you know, we would say, I want to be like Michael. It was something about when I put on the shoes, it made you feel like you could walk like Mike, fly like Mike, shoot like Mike, jump like Mike. But now more and more as I get older, man, I, I want shoes that let me walk like Jesus, talk like Jesus, engage with the culture like Jesus, live like Jesus, be holy like Jesus. And I promise this is the last thing. My son, Jedi, I love him to death, but he's so frustrated. I want to take him shoe shopping all the time. Like, son, my mom never did this for me. I want to do this for you. <laughs> and my son will walk past the J's, all those fancy name brands. And you know what? He'll, he'll, he'll pick like the goofiest shoe you've ever seen. It could look like a, a shark, just a shark shoe. <laughs> and one of his favorite type of shoe that he likes is the shoes that light up. Yeah. He'll just walk around and he'll... It'll be lighting up, lighting up, lighting up. And then if, if the shoe stops, because he, st- he puts so many miles on the shoes, he would be stepping like this. When the shoe stops lighting up, he, he stops and checks. He's like, what, what is going on? Dad, these, these, my shoe's not lighting up. I wonder if we can leave this place with shoes that light up with every step we take, every move we make. There's something on that holy ground is being activated. The holiness of God is with me every step that I take. Every step that I take, there's something happening in the steps that I'm taking because God is with me. And guess what? When that light, when something's going, we take the time to stop, maybe take our shoe off and say, what's, what's going on here? Something here that might need to be addressed. So as we worship, um, if the prayer team could come, I, I want to open up the altars and just respond to the presence of God. Like in this moment, could we just be open and say, God, we want more of your presence. We want to be aware of what you're doing, how you're speaking. God, speak to me right now. I'm in a dry season. I'm in a dry place. I don't quite understand. God, speak to me right now. So I come to you. Like, could we come to God at the altar and just say, God, we're available? Maybe we could come to the altar today and lay some things down as we approach and we go deeper into the presence of God. God is with you every step you take. It's holy ground. Amen.